Closing the books is a manual, air-prone, and time-consuming process. In fact, 82% of accountants find the month-end close to be a negative experience, 78% report having to reopen the books, and 3 out of 4 say they're not confident in their close. Meanwhile, management wants numbers faster than ever, and investor scrutiny on financial reports has only increased. There has to be a better way than email, Excel checklists, and endless status update meetings. Flowcast was built by accountants for accountants to help them close faster and more accurately. It provides a single place to manage the month-end close, aligning people, processes, and documents in one collaborative platform. The bottom line, teams relying on Flowcast on average close three days faster. Learn more at cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash Flowcast. That's F-L-O-Q-A-S-T. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm Jason Deshays. And we have never met before. Jason. We haven't. This is just like the, the real person kind of thing when you've got your Twitterscape, you've got work through. So this is kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's great to meet you here at AICPA Engage 2019. And it's because we know each other in the cloud, I actually don't know where you came in from. Where, where do you call home? We live in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. So we came from like AICPA town out there because the office is in Durham. So. Oh, okay. Got it. So you have access to all the AICPA folks. Uh, yes, and actually used to work there. So um, that was, uh, had about 18 months I was out there doing firm relations. So know a lot of the great people over there and um, very proud of the profession. It's kind of interesting having been on the small firm side, gone into the Institute, and then now back in the public accounting. So it's been a lot of fun, a big adventure. So what were you doing at the ASCPA? When was that? So that was, uh, so kind of going back a little bit. So I had a practice out in Albuquerque, New Mexico with a gentleman and we uh, ended up selling the practice uh, to another firm in town and then kind of do the general non-solicit, non-compete, non-anything, uh, ended up working for the AICP remotely. So I was doing firm relations. So oh, I'd okay. go talk to the top 500 firms called the G400 and we would talking about the issues in the profession, what kind of things were coming down the pipeline, what they should be doing. And uh, in that work, I've been telling the firms that cloud accounting and all that is the, the wave of the future. And I was telling them to drink the Kool-Aid. I was like, why am I not drinking the Kool-Aid? So <laughs> I ended up going back in the public, which I didn't expect. Uh, but it's been fantastic. And it's been really great because that's all we do now is just cloud accounting. So, so when was that that you went back? Uh, October 15th, 2018. So it's all tax deadline driven, it seems like, you know. Oh, got it. Yeah. But it's uh, it's been a wild adventure the last eight months. So so what is your firm like? So Elliott Davis is uh, a very large firm in the southeast. We've got about 800 people across the firm's wow. footprint. We've got seven offices. And so unlike a lot of the firms where they have multiple, multiple locations, we have a pretty concentrated core between North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee, and Georgia. So our practice unit, which we call county advisory, is about 70 people right now who only focus on outsourced accounting roles. And so we work closely with our tax people and our, our audit practice, but we are seeing significant growth and we're bringing on lots of new people, lots of new clients, and uh, that's been really exciting. And, and did I hear you correctly? It's 70 people? 70 people, yeah. And we're planning to get that probably about the 125 here in the next couple of years. And you call that accounting advisory. Mm -hmm. So your equivalent of CAS would yeah, be... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we've heard people call it managed accounting. So somebody's client accounting. So we use accounting advisory. Yeah. Are you doing... Like, what, what sort of services do you provide? What's the range of offerings? So we'll do what most people... I'm trying not to say bookkeeping because it's always got bad taste in your mouth. But it's, you know, we're really bringing that kind of nuts and bolts daily accounting. And then we go all the way up to control or CFO level consulting. Um, we really do focus on the advisory element um, because I feel like you, anyone can do a financial statement. You can get 
data in there and say, here are numbers, but with what you do with it is the important part. So that's all the engagements. Like when we bring on new clients, it's, there's an advisory component. It's not trying to just compete to the bottom line and say, well, let me just give you some cheap bookkeeping here. It's really, we were there to help be their strategic advisor with their practice. Got it. So you have to buy the advisory and then, and then really you're just, you're doing the bookkeeping so you can do mm-hmm. the advisory. Yeah, it's the fuel that feeds the advisory right. conversation. All right. So how do you define advisory? I've heard a lot about that this season. There's a lot of conferences focusing yeah. on advisory. This um, I've kind of looked at it as, is that you're really like a business partner with them. And so you're talking about the strategic element of running a business. And I've ran a business, you've ran a business. And, you know, helping them coach their operations, their strategy, along with the finances versus keeping that as like the finances are just over here and it's just the numbers. We're really trying to breed that into it. And so, you know, we get into conversations about all sorts of stuff, compensation plan for employees, benefit structures, um, acquisitions of, uh, we, I work a lot with dentists and we have people who are buying up practices left and right or trying to sell their practice and we coach them through that. So it's really trying to do more than just say, well, here's the numbers and those numbers are good or bad and this is how much tax you owe. It's, it's really about what's the practice doing? What's your business going to do? You, you mentioned questions about personnel, right? I didn't, and that's, I experienced that often when mm-hmm. I was in uh, the CAS world as a manager was, uh, I'm hiring somebody, what do I do? And for a while, we didn't have any HR folks in CAS, but then we went and acquired a firm that did have an HR oh, cool. practice. So do you have HR personnel or are you are the accountants doing it? How do you handle that kind of work? While we have firm HR personnel, we don't have that like benefits HR person that's within our advisory practice. My background, just because of being a small firm, I'm kind of that designated person. I just do a lot of that just because... 17 years, you figure it out over yeah. time. Um, but that's something I know the other large firms have done is they've acquired benefits practices and HR practices because mm-hmm. it's a it's a driver in a lot of people's businesses. You know, you have to hire, you know, California, I know that they recently made some rule changes about how everyone can't really be a contractor anymore. Yes. So now you have yes. employee issues all the time. And that's yep. a whole other thing. In fact, I was just right before I came up to talk to you, I was talking to someone on the phone about that in California. Yep. So... Yeah, you could, crazy. In California, you could probably build a whole lead funnel just oh, yeah. talking to businesses about independent contractor versus employee, how mm-hmm. to protect yourself. They'll come to you, I imagine, because they, they, don't, they need the answer to this question. Then yeah. they'll find out everything else you have to offer. Well, and it, you know what I found is that really you make some amazing strides in like business development, making client relations just by doing awesome work. I mean, you don't have to be out there like beaten down the door to get work. I think if you do really quality work, people will come to you and they mm-hmm. will want to work with you because people talk and they know, hey, this this accounting firm is different. It's not just cranking out numbers. It's a real, legit advisor to my business. So sticking with advisory for the moment, how do you train accountants to do advisory? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, so, Or is it trainable? I think it's, it is coachable. I don't think you can go to a class and be like, suddenly you're an advisor. I honestly do think it's a lot of experience, but it means you have to get outside your box a little bit and you have to talk to the client outside of financial metrics and really talk about their business and you spend time in it. And, you know, the the thing about that is you can't, can't really do it as a generalist, I think. You can't really advise someone right. on everything at all times. Um, I have a you know niche in dentists and I spend a lot of time on dentists. I have a 50 minute commute, uh, which sucks, but I make do with it. So I listen to a number of podcasts. I am on like six different Facebook groups that our dentists are involved in. And I spend time in the industry 
so I understand it. So I understand what they're talking about. And that's the kind of, that's some of the training you can do. You can kind of train yourself by exposure. The other part is just life and you have to experience things and you have to have the stories that you find from clients that said, yeah, five years ago, we dealt with this crazy issue. Here's what you don't need to do. Or here's some trends that we're seeing, which I think you can really find as you get more specified and more of a niche area where you understand the industries really, really well. So you have niched in with the dental with dental. Practices. And then we're building another niche um, with the craft brewery space. So that's, that's a fun really, one. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy that. So my wife uh, kind of laughed that, you know, oh, you're probably in seventh heaven and go hang out with a bunch of brewers. I'm like, yeah, probably would. So yeah, yeah it's, and, and it's really fascinating hearing the business people talk about these things, you know, there would be more tie in if it was dentists and candy makers. Yes. Right. Then, yeah. then you'd be a, you'd like feed a, the other one, you exactly. know, it's just constant flow of uh, patients <laughs> into the stores and everything. How did you get into the dental niche? Was that intentional or was it accidental? So my background in my small firm, we did dentists. We had a lot of medical practitioners. And so I have years and years of experience working with those kind of people. But Elliot Davis had an existing um, dental practice. That's the deepest niche I think we have in the firm. And so when we got into Elliot Davis, I, I was like, well, I want to get connected with some groups. And that was a really clear one saying I can get plugged in with that and leverage my experience. But really support them because we were looking for more people with that advisory mindset to advise their clients. So, uh, got connected pretty quick and, you know, we're kind of run with that, which is great. And my team in Raleigh works closely with, uh, our Charlotte team, which handles the dental space. But we, as a firm have kind of broken down those barriers. We're trying to get out of saying those are, you know, firm clients from that office. It's really just, they're our practices clients and we're work on no matter whether someone's in Greenville or Charlotte or Raleigh or anything like that. And your clients tend to be local? Yes and no. The The dental space is all over the country. In fact, the one I was talking to earlier was from San Francisco. I've got some in Albuquerque, which was kind of funny because I moved three, you know, 1,700 miles away from Albuquerque. Um, so we got all over the place. We do have a large footprint where we have offices, but we do have people because we have that deep niche knowledge. So people don't necessarily need you locally because they want your industry knowledge, which they aren't going to find next door down the street from some guy who has two dentists or two two restaurants. I think you mentioned that you get a lot of referrals at this point because mm -hmm. you're known. Do you go to industry events for dentists and, and prospect there? Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, we get there. there. And part of it's not necessarily prospecting, but it's being connected to the niche, right? So if you're connected to the industry, you're hearing the issues that they're hearing, you're participating with them. And you're meeting them where they are, not necessarily hoping they're going to come to you and just say, oh, well, someone told me you're really good at this. They want to see you actively engage with it. And um, I've talked to other folks here at uh, Engage, speaking of Engage, uh, who are doing niches as well. And it's all the same story. You are there in their space. You go to their mm -hmm. industry conferences and you spend time with them because then they see you and they get that you're there because a lot of firms just throw money at issues and say, okay, I'll sponsor this thing. And that counts, right? right? They really have to be active participants to make it effective. So what's your tech stack? We have been using mostly QuickBooks Online. Um, in fact, uh, since I came on, the only clients I have are QuickBooks Online because I just don't want to deal with the, the desktop kind of stuff. Um, and that's pretty much been it. We've got you know, still some desktop people and we're trying to convert them all now. Yeah. Um, and we are exploring some other options because we've got some have extreme, uh, kind of moved past QuickBooks capacity, and we mm -hmm. need to have something that's a little deeper. So we've looked at Intact, we looked at a couple other places. The multi-entity 
uh, benefits of, yeah. of a system like that are pretty persuasive when you get to a Oh yeah. And we multi- have like in our dental space, we have a lot of these like, uh, these organizations called DSOs or dental service organizations, and they have huge number of locations and lots of complexity and they need something really powerful. And, mm-hmm. um, you can't really do that with platforms that have say user restrictions or right, right. account numbers and that kind of jazz. So, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we do that. We, uh, we leverage fathom a lot. Um, lately we're adopting a few other pieces of, um, tech that we're kind of in the process of vetting, uh, you know, larger firm, we've got a, a process to go through to dil- due diligence. And so we're kind of getting to the end of some of that, which will be good. Um, but yeah, we're, we've really, actually, we have a person on our team who's dedicated to innovation. Like it's her whole job is tech stack and she's refining that. And she's been there since uh, January of this year, actually. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe, yeah. So she's, she's relatively new on the team, but she's been fantastic because she really just runs with that. And so mm-hmm. we can kind of get her to like focus on, hey, what's the best thing for us? How does this actually map out to our clients? And are we going to create those efficiencies that we need? So that's been the, really one of the biggest benefits for me moving from a small firm to a large firm environment where in my small firm, we had eight of us. Yeah. And you were you know, the tech guy. I was the tech guy. And and so you had to go figure out yourself with all that extra free time you had when you were running the business, you were doing HR, you were trying to bring in new clients, and you're still doing the work. Um, so that's the great thing about um, our team is that we've got people who are really just experts, and they just get to go run with that kind of stuff. So, uh, Jason, any takeaways from the conference this year? So I think one of the biggest things is how important it is to spend time with your peers and actually kind of be like transparent with them about talking what you're working through. We have a, there's a group of people uh, who have went through our the AICP's Leadership Academy. We all pre-connect pretty well around here. and But we talk about everything. And so it's like great because you get to figure out like, okay, this is how you're doing things. And like last night we were talking about niches and where how we what do you do what how can i learn from that and and i think that like kind of was it rising tide raises all ships um i think that can apply here so i think for the people listening if you find those people like find your crew and really spend time with them and and be transparent what's going on in your practice i don't think the secret sauce is going to get leaked where suddenly like oh well if we tell them this then somehow they'll replicate and all of our clients will leave that's not the case right you'll figure out that you're doing things really well. You figure out things you aren't doing really well, Mm -hmm. but we're all going to do better for it. Well, and I think the niching uh, enables that openness because it's not like somebody's going to come along. I'm not going to come along and, you know, listen to you talk about your dental practice uh, and then go out and build one because I I haven't, I've never worked with dentists. You know, I'm not going to build that expertise overnight. But you'll learn something about how it was built and the things you have to connect with and go, oh, I can do that, but I don't, I don't care about dentists. I care about uh, a friend of mine is doing one on independent RV parks. Yep. And he wants to really own that space. Sweet. Do it. Like, yeah. And but you, the principles apply. The same principles, just find the thing you're passionate about, yeah. do it. But the only way you can, I think, really effectively do that is by being able to talk with people, work through it rather than trying to do it yourself. So if people want to connect with you online and you know, network with you and learn from you before the next conference. Where's the best place for them to do that? They can follow me on Twitter at CPA guy, Jace. Uh, and then they can also shoot me an email. It's Jason dot That's D E S H A Y E S at L eight Davis.com. And as always, you can reach me, Blake Oliver. I'm at Blake T Oliver on Twitter. And Jason, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.